Episode 56 is a special one. For the past 20 years, I've been a neighbor of some kind to Mrs. Dunn. For a few years, we shared a space in what was called the Cart Cave at the old high school. This was a special room with about five or six desks, a few filing cabinets, and then a bunch of carts. We teachers who didn't have a classroom called the Cart Cave home. Lisa and I lived there together, trying desperately to stay organized. When the new high school opened up, she and I were blessed with our own classrooms. I was room 1110, and she was room 1111. We were right next to each other. Every single day, Lisa would walk into my room and say, Good morning, neighbor. I could count on it daily. We shared a love of history, a love of our students, and an appreciation for organized chaos. We had both joke often about how we drew encouragement from the messiness of each other's desks, knowing we were both kindred spirits and a lack of organization. Mrs. Dunton loves being a teacher, and she prides herself in caring equally for every single one of her students. In the classroom, she spent an extraordinary amount of time holding kids accountable and helping them become the best versions of themselves. Her life outside of the classroom is intriguing. As you hear about it, you will agree with me that it would make an amazing Hallmark movie. I will miss seeing Mrs. Dunton in the hallways of Talmadge High School. Our school will not be the same without her, and it is certainly better because of her. I hope you enjoy this episode as she and I reflect back on an amazing career and we conversate about an exciting future. Mrs. Dunton, thank you for your commitment to Talmadge High School. We all wish you only the best in your repurposed life. Happy retirement. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Between Two Blue Devils, and I'm sitting here with a very, very close friend of mine. Uh, This individual has been my neighbor for pretty much my entire teaching career. Um, She and I began in a cave at the old high school. We called it the Cart Cave, and then we transitioned into our beautiful school 14 years ago, a new building, and we both were blessed with a classroom and we were blessed to be neighbors and here we are standing uh, two days away from her official retirement from Talmadge High School. Uh, I'm excited to introduce to you my good friend Mrs. Lisa Dunton. Welcome to the podcast. Hi Mark, thanks and I just have to say that I'm lucky to see the transition in you to become one of our building leaders and it is a long time coming and you working for it and now you're really changing the culture of this place and that's an awesome thing well you know i appreciate that i i credit you i i I told you this the other night at our staff meeting you know i credit you and our friend mrs craig as being two very outspoken voices in my head you you've always encouraged me to become better and then when this opportunity presented itself you were my loudest advocate, uh, and there were moments, uh, you know, there were moments I walked in here and I'm like, I, I'm not going to do it, and then you just kept saying, you need to do this. This is the timing is right. You know, this is the calling, and and so um, and now a year into it, looking back, I am so incredibly thankful that you 
kept poking and prodding me in this direction. And I'm glad I was here for the first year. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm glad I'm not here for the rest. <laughs> well, so funny you would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so funny you would say that you were here. You were glad you were here for the first year. Another good friend of ours who retired last year. My my last retirement episode, Mrs. Whitman. It's one of the things she's always like saying to me. She's like, I wish I would have been there for your your first year, but not that much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so I'm excited to talk to you about this next stage, this uh, this repurposed life that you uh, have before you. And it's going to be an exciting one because quite honestly, um, that's one of the things I love about you and your, your, your life. I mean, it's just always exciting. There's always like an adventure on the weekend that you and your husband are doing or you and your grandchild, grandkids, or yeah, I mean, your, your, your own kids. I mean, there's just every time I see pictures on, on social media, you're just always doing something fun. And, and, and we'll get to that. But I think it's important for our listeners to before we talk about where you're going to kind of talk about, you know, where you came from. So could you tell us a little bit about, you know, where did you grow up? Where were you born? Uh, where did you grow up? Uh, what was it like as a child for Mrs. Dunton? Sure. Well, I'm one of eight kids, so, and we're all L's. I am uh, six of eight, so, you know, I never got called my right name. My parents <laughs> would go through the list. And that's why it's really important for me as a teacher to learn names right away. And I try to, at the end of the first week, uh, know every student's name because that's really important to me and if oh, I don't yeah. uh, get it right they get a piece of candy <laughs> and uh, I get it right most of the time so now did you find that getting more and more difficult every year um, no uh, because I teach criminal justice for two of my three blocks mm -hmm. and I've had about half of those kids as freshmen yeah I get them against the seniors so it actually got easier the more electives I got to teach the easier it was mm -hmm. so that was nice uh, but I grew up in a small town in West Virginia in um, Kaiser West Virginia and then we moved to Morgantown West Virginia which was a little bit bigger town but education was always key to my family it was very important you know we were taught that education is what was going to get you ahead. Mm -hmm. It's get, get you a better life if you got an education. And my parents instilled that in me. Went to a really small Catholic high school, uh, graduating class of 50 mm. <laughs> kids. And so, um, you know, it just, it mattered. And it still matters to me. It's why I'm a teacher, mm -hmm. because I value education. And I love kids, and I love books, and what combines uh, teaching career better than those two things. Yeah, absolutely. So, when you think back to high school and such a small high school, was there a particular teacher who just really inspired you and kind of pushed you this direction or? There wasn't a teacher who pushed me because I didn't know I wanted to be a teacher back then, but there was a teacher who inspired me. I went to this tiny little Catholic high school that offered Russian history hmm. as an elective. And I wish I could remember the sister's name. Um, we called her Sister Stretch, which was not in a mean way. She had a long neck and she was really tall. So she let us call her that. Uh, so I don't remember her true name, but she told stories. Hmm. She told Russian history as a story, and I just fell in love with it. But at the time, I wanted to go to the United Nations and be an interpreter. So, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> long way from that uh, that goal. But wow. Yeah, she was wonderful. It, it as history teachers, it it is amazing the role that stories play. I mean, when you when you listen to educational podcasts or you read a lot of like educational books, they always talk about how 
important it is for a teacher to be a good storyteller, you know, to captivate your audience, to be able to dangle the carrot, to be able to leave cliffhangers for the next day. And that's one of, there was a professor at the University of Akron that really inspired me because of that as well. It was the history class. And as he just paced the front of the classroom, he just told a story. Yeah. And the whole time I was just like captivated by what it was that he was talking about. And it just made me want to, you know, start considering uh, being a teacher as well. So we, uh, you know what we're going to do right now? We're actually going to take a quick break, uh, commercial break, and then we actually have a special guest here. So we're actually back, and you know, it was interesting hearing a little bit about the background of Mrs. Dunton and who she was as a child, but we're going to just take a quick jump forward because we have a special guest who popped in, uh, the ever-wonderful Mrs. Craig, who Hello. will very soon be a guest. Uh, that's one of the, the goals to get you on here, but um, you know, I thought I'd just bring in one of your colleagues to just kind of just join our conversation a little bit. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Happy to be here. For one of my favorites, yeah. my very favorite. <laughs> yeah, so you two have been uh, the dynamic duo for a long time. And, uh, and, you know, so talk to me a little bit about what it was like when you first met Mrs. Dunton as, as, a, as a teacher here. Do you know, the first time I ever met Mrs. Dunton, she was student teaching. Um, at our old high school with Mrs. Whitman, and I was pregnant with my son the semester she was going to be student teaching, so I wasn't even in, in school. I had my son, and I was on maternity leave, so I didn't get to know her then. And then she came back a few years later and got hired, and um, you know, at the old high school, uh, she was on a cart, and you know, part of my department, and we were friendly, and friends, like colleagues are, but it was when we came to this building, really, that we became very close because she's across the hall. We eat lunch together every single day. You know, and I recently shared with the staff that um, for a lot of that time, it's just been the two of us eating lunch. Mm -hmm. So when you only have two people, you really get to know someone very well because one of us had to be talking. So, right. <laughs> you know, you, get, you really get to know someone really well. And um, they can, um, I, I say this to people all the time about Lisa, as you get older, it's hard to find people in life who accept you for who you are, faults and all. Mm -hmm. Because as adults, we can, we can write people off pretty easily. We don't have to include people in our lives. But she was sort of stuck with me, eating lunch <laughs> with her every day. So she got to see, you know, past the faults and see, see who I really am and she accepts me for who I am. So that's how we became so close really, is sort of being forced to, to get to know each other. Mm. And I'm glad that happened. Yeah. yeah. And I think what we found too is that we're so much alike in how we teach. We approach education the same way. We want to teach kids like they're our kids because they are our kids, you yeah. know? I mean, they're our future. And so we very much just look at this job through the same eyes. And it's amazing to find somebody like that. We're, we're blessed in that way yeah, because um, we have shared lessons. Most of our conversations at lunch, sometimes people walk in on us and they would laugh at us because they'd be like, you're talking about instruction? It's like, <laughs> yes, that's what we both like. And, you know, we talk about other things, too. We, we know each other's families and friends. We know each other's stories. But I would say at least half of our conversations have been about instruction and especially lesson planning, which mm. you are amazing at, and I mm -hmm. steal all your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Misty makes a lot of us look really good. <laughs> she does. Her lesson plans have been uh, too kind. <laughs> give, given many teacher an accomplished <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> observation. <laughs> That's so funny. 
So when I, you know, I think about like something that Misty said at the very beginning, and I think it's a, it's a great lesson for especially our young listeners to, to catch on to. You know, you, stu- you student taught here, yes. and you student taught for Sue. And, and I remember at that point, you know, when you were student teaching, because of your work ethic and because of your passion, you made a statement, right? And it was one of those uh, easy decisions for the leadership to say, hey, we, wanna, we just want to move you right into a classroom because of how effective you were. So you took advantage of the opportunity and, uh, and certainly made a statement. And then you've pursued growth your entire career, even in the later stages where it's more normal for whoever, no matter what the profession is, to be kind of stagnant and stable, and yet you didn't. You were constantly seeking wise counsel and engaged in conversation with Mrs. Craig and seeking to get better and, and willing, willing to share and willing to collaborate. And it's just a, it's a unique quality that, especially this department, I know I'm biased, <laughs> but you know, it's always been one of those qualities that, that people, you know, we've been blessed to surround ourselves with people who want to get better and want to share. We are, and I think all of us are lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's part of being a history teacher, is history is every single day. Mm -hmm. And so we are lifelong learners and improving ourselves and seeing life from other perspectives. We don't just see it from our perspective, we see it from many perspectives. Yeah, which helps us be better. I mean, it's the one thing that, the the constant conversation that I have with my own kids at home, like, listen, you you gotta continue to grow as Mm -hmm. a historian. Because if you, you do, if you understand the past and you see you know, what, what our nation and our country, our world has been through, then it, it helps you be more empathetic and compassionate mm-hmm. and understanding and less fearful. Absolutely. And that's what I love about the social sciences. When people ask me why I became a teacher, you know, you're supposed to say, well, you wanted to like change the world. Those are like the typical answers. But I always say, I feel like social sciences make you a better person Mm -hmm. when you learn what other people have experienced and learn different perspectives. And it's not just history, even like psychology or um, sociology. You just, you learn so much about being a better person. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and that's why I think the three of us are so fortunate to have not only taught world history and U.S. history, but then, yeah, to teach psychology uh, and then to teach criminal justice. I mean, I think about the number of kids that I've spoken to, and because of your criminal justice class or because of your AP psych class, that, that's the field they're going into because in your classrooms, they start to realize, okay, now I'm seeing behavior, I understand behavior, I'm seeing life choices, I'm, I'm analyzing life choices, I'm understanding chemical imbalances, uh, I'm wanting to advocate, or I'm wanting to defend, or I'm wanting to just, you know, protect. And it, those influences stem from your guys' classrooms. That's the best part of teaching, when a kid tells you that they have their career, their calling, their passion because of your class. Nothing better, hands down, best That's part of teaching. That's the ultimate bonus check, isn't yeah. it? Well, Misty, when you think back to uh, the numerous years that you've taught with uh, with Lisa, are there any stories that stand out or uh, yeah, anything you want to share about your observations? Well, we've had a lot of good memories, but we, we do a lot outside of school, too, socially. We've traveled together. We've been to New York and Chicago. We've done a lot of little, like, Columbus shopping trips. Um, I love to shop with Lisa. I tell people all the time she can out-shop me, which, again, not, not a lot of people can say. Uh, we definitely enjoy our clothes and accessories and shoes. Um, but I think just um, 
having somebody that you know you can say anything to, like I said, is so rare. And I'll, sometimes I'll even start by saying, I'm going to sound like a terrible person, but I can just say it to her and she'll be like, okay, I know you're not a terrible person. I know you just needed to say that and you're going to realize that you were wrong. And like me saying out loud is me sort of fixing myself. Yeah. And yeah. I know I can do it without judgment. And there aren't many people that you can, that you can do that with. But we've had, we've had a lot of good memories yeah. over the years, a lot of good conversations. I think one of the, the, the most fun times when we traveled is we're getting ready to go to New York and we're sitting at the airport when there was an attack in New York and we're like, are we even going to get to go on this airplane mm -hmm. or not? Do you remember? Was it I a, do. You know what? It was the uh, Paris terrorist attacks. It was. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then the next day we were seeing a Broadway show in Times Square and I do remember we sat down in the theater and I was like, okay, Lisa, we're teachers and we are trained in this and none of these other people are. So <laughs> we did. I yeah. mean, we were like, let's look at the exits. And I'm like, it was November. I said, I'm wearing really heavy boots. Like we have to instruct people, throw things. Yep. Like, which I mean, is kind of a sad statement, I guess. But I do remember, I'm like, okay, we're in charge because we, we know what to do. But we, d we did make it. But that, yeah, that was a memory being stuck in the airport wondering mm. if we would Yeah, and would then get that, there. that whole trip, it was very different because mm -hmm. of that attack. New York was, it was just a different feeling, yeah, different vibe everywhere. the whole time, everywhere you went, yeah. so. Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, um, it reminds me a lot of the trip that I chaperoned in eighth grade after September 11th, you know, and having been there before <coughs> and then going after the whole, I mean, it was just completely different, and it, it is kind of scary, but I, I love the fact that you not only reflect on history, but then also reflect on your training, and you're like, you know, we're, we're prepared for this. We know what to do. Mm -hmm. And it is, it is kind of a scary thing to think about um, that we have been prepared over the span of our careers for just really just crazy situations. And every year it seems like there's a different training and there's a different thing that we have to be emotionally and psychologically and physically prepared for. It's just one of those weird um, phenomena of being a teacher. It is, but I think it makes you a more confident person, too. It's empowering. It yeah. is very empowering like, okay, to I, do. I have a plan. I yeah. have an eye, some ideas. When you and Grace were in Columbus and you had to go out of the store. Mm -hmm. There was know? a shooting in a store that we were in. And, mm -hmm. you, and you were ready. You mm -hmm. didn't panic. You knew what to do. And I think that that is part of being a teacher, that we always have to know what to do. <laughs> we can't just be thinking about, uh, what am I going to do? We know. So when, when we think about your, your role as a teacher, you know, Misty brought up a really um, powerful example of how compassionate you are and how driven you are to see your students succeed uh, in her presentation during our staff meeting where she talked about there isn't one teacher in this building who <laughs> chases down students <laughs> more than you and you're so persistent no matter what the criticism may be you are like, I am, I'm going after this kid to make sure I bring him in and give him an op opportunity to, to do better. And so wh where did that come from? I think it goes back to what I told you about my family. <clears throat> my, that I was raised to value education. And whether these kids want to or not, I'm going to make them value education. Yeah. I know that that's their way forward. Mm -hmm. I know it's their way out. It's their way to a better life. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay. They get mad at me. You know, <laughs> I, I have people who love me, like Mrs. Craig and Mr. <laughs> Horner. And I think that, too, when you have a confidence as a person and who you are, then it's okay, yeah. you know, if a 14-year-old gets mad at you because <laughs> you know you're doing the right thing for them. Yeah. 
Well, and it, and it boils down to your, your awareness of, of your North Star, right? So right. you say that you, you see the role that education plays in a life um, and how important it is. And, and we now know, I mean, I think at the beginning of, uh, of our careers, it was like, okay, the role that education plays is to push you in the direction towards college because at that time, society made it seem like that's your only way out. But we now know that you can enlist or you can be employed or you can enroll and education feeds into all three of those. You know, who's to say that the assignment that you have in your criminal justice class on, you know, um, sociopaths, or uh, understanding juries doesn't inspire a student to immediately enroll in the police academy or to you know work for a court system somewhere. I mean, it really does. It is to their betterment that we continue to just hold them accountable. So I love hearing your North Star, you know, mm -hmm. your, your guiding principle of just showing them the power of, of education. And I think I've been able to do that by bringing in outsiders, and that's also been wonderful. Having the police officers come here, having the canines come here, being able to take my students to court, being mm -hmm. able to let them see what uh, jail is like. We, we got to go to actual Summit County Jail one time and eat Summit County Jail food, and the kids were like, I don't wanna come here. <laughs> you know? so is I, it better than our cafeteria <laughs> food? No. Because our cafeteria food's pretty good, but I know right down the hallway right now, there's a presentation that uh, some students are doing right in front of Mr. Wood about you know some tweaks that they would like to. Nice. Like, yeah, more sugar. <laughs> so. But to see those careers that you don't have to have a college degree for, mm -hmm. but you can get training for and do. I had six students this semester going into the military. Could wow. not be more proud of them. Oh, yeah. And three of them want to go in police work when they get out. And that is the path that many of the officers who come into my class tell kids to take. Go to the military, get the training, then you come out and you're 21 and you can uh, join the police academy. Mm -hmm. So we are pushing, yeah, enrollment, employment. It's a, I, I always loved the, the, the rotation of speakers that you had come in here. And, uh, and it's so important that you do put real people in Absolutely. front of the kids. Uh, it just changes perspective. And, and especially now, you know, when uh, so much of our, our media will kind of saturate their social media feeds with, with inappropriate perspectives on our, our law enforcement agencies. And then you bring in, uh, bring them in and they get to share their heart, their North Star, why they do what they do and what's difficult about their jobs on a daily basis. And it just adds, you know, real perspective to the service that they provide. Yeah, and we talk about that when they come in, how, you know, they can explain what kids read in newspapers. Mm -hmm. Well, this is really what happened, and this is why it happened, and they can make themselves real. They're not just a news story. They're real people with real homes, with kids, mm -hmm. and everything's on the line uh, for them. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been one of the great joys of teaching this class. Yeah, that's 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 fantastic, Mrs. Craig. Anything you'd like to throw in before we take another break? I'll just say that I'm, I'm going to miss Mrs. Dutton very much. I think our whole building is going mm -hmm. to. She's made a lot a, a positive impact on students and her colleagues. But um, I, I will still probably talk to her every day. I'll be calling, texting. So she's sort of stuck <laughs> with me for a while. And we'll be shopping much. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we that's will. awesome. So we'll be right back from this break, and when we return, we're gonna talk about some of the things that Mrs. Dunton loves the most about the classroom and what she'll be missing. We'll be right back. 
Hello, friends. We're not done with the interview yet, but I wanted to jump in and say thank you. Thanks for listening to Between Two Blue Devils. You have no idea how much it means to me. I love sharing these episodes with you. If you really enjoy the podcast, would you honor me by reviewing the podcast on whatever platform it is that you listen to it on? This helps me share the message of Between Two Blue Devils with an even larger audience. I also want to encourage you to check out episode 55 featuring Mr. Ken Subek. It has received a ton of positive feedback. Very few people knew that this teacher at the high school had worked for the FBI in a previous life. It's an amazing story and you want to check it out. Thanks again for listening. Now, let's get back to Mrs. Dutton. All right, welcome back, and um, I hope you enjoyed our little special guest. I did. She's a gem. We are lucky to have her here at Talmadge High School. Well, we truly are. So you have, how many total years have you been in the classroom now? I've been in the classroom 20 years. 20 years. I stayed home with my kids um, when they were little, Mm -hmm. and um, don't regret a moment of those years. That was awesome. Yeah. But because of that, I have 20 years in and age 65, so I'm a little bit older with fewer years than most teachers but so so let's actually kind of jump back to that before we do dive into the question I the cliffhanger I left <laughs> right before the break um, and talk about what you love the most what you'll miss the most about the classroom tell us a little bit about your family so I have three kids and they all live within an hour of me which is wonderful mm-hmm. they all have um, significant others two are married one is engaged he'll be married in the fall and I have a grandson and then I have two bonus children from my remarriage, and they also live within an hour, and three grandkids for them. And it's a blended family that gets along wonderfully, which it, it, that's kind of like the classroom, right? Yeah. When you can blend all these personalities and make it a little family, that's the most wonderful thing. It's hard to do. <laughs> yeah. So do you, this kind of just a little sidebar question, do you feel like your role as a teacher made adjusting to a blended family easier then? I think it probably has, right? Because you get used to accepting a lot of different people and ideas and um, you're just more laid back with people. So yeah, absolutely. I think it made it easier. As you look over the past 20 years of your life, um, was it always easy for you to be that accepting and that understanding, like when you first started in the classroom or is that something that's kind of grown I think I've always been pretty accepting in the classroom. What has grown has been not sweating little things with kids as much anymore. So the kid that's running down the hallway to get into your classroom, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe when I first started teaching, go to the office and get a pass, you know, and now it's like, hurry up, get down here. Yeah. You know, so you you learn those things. You learn to be more relaxed with a lot of the behavior that you want them to change, but you know it's a process of changing, and they're not going to change unless we instruct. Yeah. We can't just expect them to know how to behave. Yeah. I think at the beginning I expected it. I was like, you know, you need to know the rules and follow the rules. And now it's like, no, I need to teach you the rules and follow the rules. So that's that's such a brilliant statement. That's um, something that has really – spoken loudly to me over the past year as I've kind of fed my mind with some podcasts on administration and then some of the books that I've been reading. They're like, listen, if a student doesn't understand world history and a concept, you know, the causes of World War One, if they 
can't answer a question, you don't just simply say, okay, you're done and give them an F, right? You, you teach them and you reinforce and you revisit. And it's the same thing with behavior. You know, a lot of kids do not know proper responses. And, and so why, why, as an administrator, should I go to the ultimate form of discipline right away? I mean, sometimes you, I mean, obviously there are times where you have to put in place a form of discipline, but then it needs to be a constant revisit a constant instruction and try to reteach that be you know the here's the behavior that you should be engaged in and here's why and and here's how here's how we're going to approach it so it's been a an interesting epiphany for me as well right so now so going back so you have uh you're a grandma so it sounds to me like part of your repurposed life will be spending lots of time with grandchildren that's the hope for sure we're gonna watch our new grandson henry <clears throat> two days a week uh, told my daughter we didn't want to do all five <laughs> because yeah. uh, Mike and I want to travel but we're gonna watch him two days a week and then we'll also be more available for the older grandkids that are in school just to see their sporting events right now I'm tired at the end of the day yep. and I don't want to drive an hour to see a soccer game yeah but if I'm retired I'm gonna be refreshed and have that energy to do that so I'm really looking forward it's to that. gonna be just a beautiful chapter it will it, it will and I have to get a shout out here to Cappy Sarver, who um, mm -hmm. Mark knows and I know, social mm -hmm. studies teacher here for many, many years. And she was my mentor as a teacher, and she's going to be my mentor in retirement, too, <laughs> because she is enjoying life and traveling and she being sure with is. her grandkids. And she gets more done in the morning before I'm awake. <laughs> but... Um, but she's a great role model for retirement, too. So. Well, she was an incredible role model, first of all, is as a human. And then as, as a teacher, I mean, I, I look back to the impact that she had on you and me when we both took over classrooms. And I know she shared so much with you and she shared so much with me. Uh, you know, she, she just really launched my kind of career as an AP teacher off on the right foot. I would have never been able to survive that first, second, and third year without her, uh, her influence. So good role model. She is. And, you know, I have to also say she's one of the reasons that I became the leader of the Talmadge Rainbow Alliance. Mm -hmm. Cappy, for years, has been just so accepting and loving in the LGBTQ community. And I was, but she really helped me embrace more of that. And when the kids came and asked me to be their leader, it's her that I thought of. They would have come to Cappy had she still been mm -hmm. here, but she wasn't. And so... Um, she just made me grow in that way too. It, it's a it's a quality of your classroom and a quality of you that um, we're going to miss. And your desire to make sure that all kids feel seen, valued, and heard, and giving them an opportunity to um, coexist in a safe environment where they know that they. They are. They're, they are seen, heard, valued, and it's. Um, and, and again, that kind of goes back to even the fact, you know, some of your classroom policies, where, you know, you make sure kids are held accountable. You explain the reason why. Uh, you bring them in here. They vent. You let it roll off your shoulders until it gets to a certain point where it crosses right. the line of being inappropriate, right? And then I, then that's when I come in. And uh, but it's just, it's just been a constant of your, of your tenure here as a teacher, where you just want to make sure kids know that they're valued and loved and heard, and it's had an impact. 
you know, our, our, our student body is way better because of you. And uh, you've paved the way for a lot of amazing change and, and progress here. Well, that's kind of you to say. And I think that the kids deserve the credit, right? Because they want Talmadge to be a more kind and accepting place. And yeah. so they're the ones that led the way. Yeah. And we just need to follow these yeah. kids because we've got some good ones in this building. We really do have some great leaders. We do. And it's um, the time is ripe. We, we live in, you know, one of my observations has been is it's just, it's a difficult time to, to live. And there seems to be a lot of hurt, a lot of anxiety, a lot of animosity, um, some of it intentional, some of it kind of subconscious. And we were just talking about the effects, you know, off the mic about COVID on the classroom or think about our conversation about things that we're prepared for, right? terrorist attacks and armed intruders and all of that, all of that just creates this culture of fear, fear of the unknown and fear of the different. And the walls go up, accelerated by our ability to get lost in social media or to get lost in clash of clans or, you know, to just be distracted by, by Netflix. And we forget how important it is to just sit and listen, and I feel like hypocritical as I'm blabbering on, right? <laughs> but to sit, to listen, to engage, and, and to value the person across from us. Right, and, and sometimes that means taking phones away from kids, yeah. you know, and, and you and I have done that when we give kids the break sometimes, where we say, nope, you don't get your, your phone for the break. You're gonna talk to each other for yeah. the break, you know? We have to be intentional about making kids talk to each other. Yeah. And with people they don't always want to talk to, you know, and, and that's what, that's part of being a good teacher yeah. is figuring out ways to get kids to see each other as humans and mm -hmm. that they have more alike than they have different. And that's hard sometimes, but it's important. Well, it, it's one of the reasons why uh, I use the Dunton strategy so often in my classroom, <laughs> you know, I, well, I did it every day where when a student would, when I had to hand out papers, one student would hold it up front, I'd play some music and the kids would rotate through and pay that person a compliment before they took the paper away from them, right? And so often it was like, hey, nice hoodie, you got a great hoodie, you got a great hoodie, you got a great smile. But you know, we trained them to elevate their, their awareness and their compliments and pay attention to the person and to the cla your classmates so that you could pick up on something else because I eliminated clothing as an option. No more complimenting clothing. Now you got to compliment a quality of that person. But, you know, I saw that demonstrated in your classroom and I stole it from you and it, it radically changed the culture of my classroom because kids became more aware and they were more observant of their friends and, or their classmates. And they do, and, and we got a shout out to Spence Rogers for that because that was from the training that the school offered yeah. for us, and I was fortunate enough to get to go to Colorado with a group of, of teachers to engage with him and his way of teaching yeah. uh, more. I think the best compliment a student ever gave me, because every once in a while I'll be like, I'm the one that's going to get the compliment today, and someone looked down and said, I like your toenail polish, Mrs. Dutton. <laughs> it's like, you know, you never know how closely they're watching <laughs> you, but they are. Yeah, that's <laughs> too funny. Yeah, you know what, it was always, there were moments, usually happened about once a year, right, where I'd say, all right, who wants a compliment? And somebody would say, Mr. Horner, it's your turn, right? And, uh, and you're right. 
it's it it does it you know he who waters will himself be watered right proverbs i think it's chapter 12 verse 5 where it just talks about you know we want to be a blessing and when you're watering others then you're gonna have opportunities to be watered yourself and your bucket will be filled and it's it's just fun to see and hear them when they do that you know it, it, it makes them nicer yeah and giggles and it's fun yeah it's a fun trick in the classroom to do it is aspiring teachers or teachers steal that one for sure so you know we got to go back you you mentioned his name um and and i think i told you that my daughter said that i had to ask a certain question (laughs) right she loves the story of how you know you met mike and how how and where you got married tell us about this wonderful young man yeah so um Mike Dutton is the reason uh, I'm able to retire now because we are ready to build a future together. We met six years ago and uh, we met on a snow day. I always call it snow day magic because (laughs) we were supposed to meet after school, but instead we were able to meet in the morning. We met for uh, coffee and tea up at the Nervous Dog in Stowe. Then we went to lunch and he proposed to me at lunch. for he proposed marriage to me on our first date at lunch then we went to dinner (laughs) and uh i think my reaction was when he said well i think we should just get married and i said i think we probably will get out of here yeah we really did it was it was truly love at first sight it's like a hallmark movie it is and um we waited a year. My kids were thankful that we didn't go get married <laughs> right away. We you could have gone right to City Hall right there. <laughs> we could have, but we waited a year so as not to freak the kids out too much. And um, when I met Mike, we met um, on Match.com, and one of his places he had been was New Zealand, and I had commented that I would love to go. And he mm. said, well, I'll take you. So he did take me, and that's where we got married. We flew Across the world, 3,000 miles to a place that is magical, um, the movie set from Lord of the Rings called <laughs> Hobbiton, and we got married there. Uh, friends of ours were supposed to come from Australia over to be our best man and um, stand up for us, and they weren't able to because of illness. So mm. the kids who work at Hobbiton just fell in love with us they're like you two are the cutest couple we've ever seen and can we be the ones to stand in for you and we're like absolutely and it was just a magical day we ate at the green dragon inn was where our honeymoon uh dinner or i'm sorry our um Wedding, wedding dinner, dinner yeah. thank you. Yeah. Wedding dinner was, uh, if you know the movie Lord of the Rings, oh, yeah. you can picture the Green Dragon Inn, and it is exactly like it is in the movie. And the hospitality there was just wonderful. The wow. people there, the very end of the night, we're getting ready to leave, and the staff is like, wait, we have one more thing for you to do. And they took us out back. The place where um, this was filmed is just the movie set, and there's nothing around it for miles and miles. So they took us out back and said, look up. And the Milky Way was like we could touch it. Really? It was so close and so vibrant, so beautiful. Wow. Uh, and they just said, just just stay out here for a few minutes. And so we were just able to stay there oh. and soak in the Milky Way. And uh, went back to the hotel, and Mike's daughter had ordered us champagne. So we had champagne back at the hotel to celebrate. Wow. It was truly just a magical movie wedding that is yeah we had an officiant that we had uh, found online who um 
asked us questions of each other, and she incorporated all that into our marriage ceremony. And wow. I think when you get married older, it's great um, that it was just the two of us. Yeah. You know, we, we talked. You know, kids were like, well, are we going to come? Can we come? And we're like, <laughs> if you're paying, you can come. <laughs> but not cheap to go to New Zealand. <laughs> no. Uh, but I think it was special. It was the two of us. And then we had a big party when we got back to the States wow. to celebrate. And, uh yeah, he's he's a perfect match for me. Um, we are ready to have some fun. That's so you know, it, that is a storybook. Now I know why Kelsey so desperately wanted me to to make sure I asked it. You know, and I I always knew you were married in the Shire, but you know, there's a lot of details there that we were uh, married in the Shire uh, under is, the tree under the big um, tree of life. That is yeah, incredible. It really was. Yeah. So the other question I have for you, knowing um, some of the things that your husband is passionate for, do you see a role of playing golf in your repurposed life? No, my role is to drive the golf cart. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm only going to do it for nine holes. I said any more than that, and I get bored. But I can take a book and drive nine holes with him. And, and I'll do that. But That's too funny. No, it's good to have separate things. Yeah. You know, Mike loves golf. I love hiking. Mm-hmm. So I can go out on a nice long hike while he's out golfing. And then we'll come back together yeah. for dinner. So that's uh, what, what a story. What a story. So, you know, I want to kind of wrap up our conversation and just ask you um, just a couple more questions uh, just about what it's like to be where you're at now, you know, you are now looking back at 20 years of influence and impact. What will you miss the most about the classroom? That's such a tough question. Um, I will miss that opportunity to try and impart um, the feeling of empathy Hmm. on kids. You know, trying to get students to understand that being an empathetic person, being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, One of the questions you gave me ahead of time was something about books and Mm -hmm. mantras and life visions. And there's an old um, young adult book called Walk Two Moons by Sharon Creech. Mm. And she tries to get the reader to walk two moons or two months in the shoes of somebody else. And that's what I'll miss. Mm -hmm. I'll miss being able to take kids from where they are and say, can you see yourself thinking differently? Can you see yourself Mm -hmm. changing and growing? Because like you've mentioned several times and with your teach better, it's all about growing into a better person. That's what I'll miss. I'll I'll, I'll miss that. I won't miss waking up at 5.45 every morning, but, but I'll miss the kids and I'll miss my friends, the peers. Yeah. It's a grind. It's a grind getting up that early. And uh, one of the points that you brought up where by the end of the day, you are tired, you're tapped, you're ready to tap out and you're now going to be able to spend that time uh, and that energy and direct it towards your grandkids and, you know, family relationships that are going to flourish over this next chapter of life. Yeah. You know, one of your other (coughs) questions was, I remember it was like, what would you go back and tell yourself as a new teacher now? And I think that's what I would tell myself is don't take the work home. Mm -hmm. You know, I can, I lost time with my kids uh, when I would sit there at the dinner table grading papers, or I would sit there when we're watching TV and trying to plan a lesson. 
And I think the biggest piece of advice, and it's across all careers, right? It is, It's yeah. not just teaching, but especially teaching because it's so overwhelming. Yeah. Leave it when you leave. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times did both of us come to school and say, we carry this briefcase of stuff home, and then we carried it back yep. in without ever <laughs> opening it because you had good intentions. Um, but I would say, you know, be willing to make that um, distinct line between yeah your job that you love, yep. but your home life and give your family your full attention yeah. when you're with them. I might still have a bag at home in my closet <laughs> with LEQs and DBQs right? in it. <laughs> we probably all have that bag somewhere. <laughs> Went home with me every night, never got graded. Exactly, exactly. Because you have to value yeah. your time with your family. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, there's, there's wisdom in age, right? And I, I'm kind of at that point where I, I look back as well, and it's it's forced me to come to terms with things now. You know, it it's within our nature to constantly think about and worry about our kids and their futures, and and want to do better and want to grow, and and I and I struggle with that. You know, putting those parameters in place. It's one of the things that our principal, you know, Mr. Train and I talk about all the time. He's like, he's telling me, Mark, you got to do a better job because you can't exhaust yourself here or after school and then not be able to invest, you know, in my relationship with my wife and with my kids. And um, and so it's a lesson that I've been really thinking about, kind of mulling over and trying to figure out. And it's one of my goals this summer. How can I put better parameters in place for the remainder of my career. Um, You mentioned that you love to read books and it's one of the driving factors behind you getting into the classroom. Do you have like a Mount Rushmore of books? I I do. It's a stack. I counted them up the other day. I have 12, so I'm not going to buy any more until I read those 12. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, they're pretty easy reads. Jojo Moyes and Jody Bacolt. Uh, Colleen Hoover, yeah. who takes a lot of uh, criticism as not being a serious author, but she makes me uh, think, and I enjoy her stories. And so I'm just going to read fun for the first part of sure. the summer, then maybe get into some more uh, serious reading. But one thing I don't have to do anymore is to read the lesson that I'm going to do the night before <laughs> to refresh myself. So I'm kind of glad that it's not going to be that. Hey, I'll tell you what, it, it's been interesting not teaching history this year. Um, a lot of the details slip away pretty quickly. They do. You know, I'm yeah. making it a point now to read history books so that I can kind of stay up to par with what's going on. Um, not often, but kind of keep it on my rotation. Um, and so I read one on Lincoln. I'm actually reading um, Albert Lansling's his book, Endurance. It's on the ship Endurance, 1915, tried to sail, and he tried to uh, travel across the Antarctica. And it, it, it's a fascinating story recommended to me. Um, but just trying to stay in touch with history so I don't lose it. Absolutely. And, and that we both enjoy reading historical yeah. novels, especially biographies. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. I will engage with those as well. Well, are there any questions that I haven't asked yet that you wish I would have asked? Um, I can't think of any questions to ask, but just a final thought. And, to and we, uh, we have a phone call real quick here. Go ahead. You can just answer real fast. And while we're doing that, I'm going to just actually hit pause here. 
All right, sorry about that little hiccup. That'll probably sound weird, but we're not going to interrupt that with another commercial. Or but let's go ahead and finish our thought. Yes, you know, the bat signal has gone off. It sounds like <laughs> Mr. Horner's got to run and, uh, and intervene on finals day of all days. But, um, you know, we were just kind of wrapping up. Any questions? And you said not necessarily a question, but a thought. Yeah, just that I want to thank you for what you do, not just Aww. for uh, the building, but the podcast, the Teach Better, your community, your church, your kids. Mark, you are one of the most giving people that I've ever known. Aww. And it's a heart for making the world a better place. Yeah. And that's what we both, I think our mantras might be a little bit different, but be the change you want to see in the world, yeah. right? And you are, you're that change and that light. And I have had the opportunity to be the change and the light. And I'm, I'm still going to be. It's just going to yeah. be in my world. Yeah. And I thank you so much for who you are, what you bring to this building. Wow. It's going to be a good future with you as one of our leaders. Well, I, I thank you for your kind words. I can honestly tell you that you are one of my inspirations. Um, I have learned so much from you and just watching you, uh, like I, the, the word that comes to mind most often with you is the word advocate. I've learned to advocate better because of you and how you have given kids who in the past have not had a voice. You've given them a platform and a voice and, it, and it's made me better. It's made me better. Um, and so thank you for inspiring me. Uh, you have inspired thousands of kids and as you enter in your repurposed life and you start <laughs> hanging out with your grandkids and you start traveling to those games and then you and Mike keep going off on all of these romantic ventures <laughs> that, uh, that I get jealous of and I have to model that in my, my marriage. Uh, I would love to take my wife to New Zealand. Not sure if she'd approve of that one. But, uh, but ju just know that your presence will be missed every day and your legacy will continue for years and Talmadge High School is better because of you. So thank you for being so committed and, and loving our kids and loving our community. So go Blue Devils. Go Blue Devils. I hope you enjoyed our interview today. Be sure to subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you are listening on. And also feel free to follow me on Instagram at, at Mr. Horner, the teacher, or on Twitter at THS Mr. Underscore Horner for podcast updates, blog updates, and more information about our guests. If you liked what you heard, I would appreciate if you give us a review and share the episode. Help me get the message out about how incredible our community is and how awesome our teachers are. If you haven't, make sure you go back and listen to past interviews. There are a lot of amazing people that we've had the privilege of interviewing. Until next time, Go Blue Devils.